Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash buyer agent toolkit to help spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Want to learn from the brightest minds in real estate? Then you'll love our Real Trending Special Edition podcasts. Editor-in-Chief of Content Tracy Bell interviews brokerage leaders, top agents and teams, and industry experts on leadership, recruiting, marketing, and more. Subscribe today at realtrendsinc.podbean.com. This is Tracy Velt, Editor-in-Chief of Content for Real Trends. I'd like to welcome Gary Acosta, co-founder and CEO of the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. In his capacity as CEO of NAREP, he created the Hispanic Wealth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a strategic plan to triple Hispanic household wealth by 2024. In 2018, he co-founded Latitude, a mega event that celebrates the achievements of the Latino community in business, entertainment, technology, and politics. Gary is also a former appointee of the Consumer Advisory Board of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the federal agency responsible for regulating consumer protection in the financial services industry. He served as the 2014 chairman of the Consumer Advisory Board Mortgage Committee. So welcome, Gary. Hi, Tracy. Good to be here. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for joining Real Trends. So, We'll start with, I mean, there's so much happening um, around the country and, and obviously this year with the pandemic and the elections and civil unrest and gosh, we've got so much going on right now. So how do you see this kind of unprecedented year impacting how real estate is transaction and transacted and where's your focus? Well, you know, you mentioned a lot of things. And I think that given the pandemic and the impact that it's had in our economy and all the other things that you spoke about, um, the real estate industry is one of the sectors of our economy that has actually uh, been spared. Um, we've done quite well. I think some of that has to do with uh, interest rates. Um, I think there was a lot of pent-up demand uh, moving into the pandemic that is being fulfilled right now. Um, and I think there's probably some intangibles, like people are reassessing their living environment. Um, they've been staring at the same four walls for the last six months, and they're thinking about, uh, you know, finding something better. And I think all those things are contributing to a, a strong housing market. Um, but moving forward, I think there's still some uncertainty out there. Uh, we have a lot of un uh, people unemployed. We've had a lot of businesses that um, have struggled, if not gone under altogether. And at some point, that's going to have an impact. But one of the things that I, I think really has stood out in the real estate industry is how well we've been able to adapt. Um, we've been able to deal with uh, a virtual environment probably much better than a lot of us anticipated. Uh, we were able to get things done such as um, virtual notarizations and get that uh, legislation done to get that sort of thing uh, available to people and, and in a timely basis. And there's been other innovations as well that I think were really created to help us survive the pandemic, but will stay with us beyond uh, this particular cycle. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I do think that uh, real estate professionals are incredibly resilient. So, um, you know, they've had record, I know a lot of the companies had record quarters. So hopefully that, that continues. Um, for sure. You recent, 
Yeah, you recently released the fifth State of Hispanic Wealth Report. Um, I know that focuses on homeownership, small business development, and wealth building. And there were some encouraging statistics in the report. I saw that 40% of Latinos who don't currently own a home expect to purchase one in the next five years. And that number is higher than any other demographic according to NAREP. So tell me why is that and, and what are some of the more encouraging um, things that came out of the report? Well, uh, that particular data point uh, is something that's been trending for a while, um, and that is you know, Latino renters tend to be much more optimistic about the prospect of homeownership in the near future. And I think there's three reasons for that. I think number one is age. Uh, Latinos are a younger demographic, 14 years younger on average than the non-Hispanic white population. So the average Latino in this country is 29 years old and just entering those prime home buying years. So they're starting to make more money. Uh, they're starting to build up a little bit of wealth, and they are preparing themselves for home ownership. So that's one. Two is um, marriage and family makeup. Uh, Latinos are 50% more likely than the general population to live in a household that contains two parents and at least one child. So that um, household formation um, description really is prime for uh, a home buyer. And then thirdly is just this general passion that Latinos have had for a long time around home ownership. Passion because uh, it fulfills, I think, one of the primary um, elements of the American dream, the way we see it. Plus, of course, uh, family is so central to Hispanic culture. The home is something that just plays into that very, very well. So for all those reasons, I think that Latinos are very much optimistic about the prospects for home ownership. Well, that's great. Um, you know, I read through the report. It seems very positive. Um, so let's talk about some of the other findings that you think are significant that um, brokers and real estate professionals would be interested in knowing. Well, you know, we do this report every year, but this mm -hmm. year we decided to do something a little bit different, and I, I'm glad that we did. Um, you know, we usually compile data that's mostly from government sources, but some other sources as well. And most of the data that we are able to get is from the previous year. And we just thought, you know, <laughs> the world has changed so much in the last year. Uh, a report that's going to be reflective of what happened in 19, uh, or 2019 uh, or before that is just not going to feel like it really is telling us anything that's useful. So we commissioned uh, a study uh, with Morning Consult that surveyed 2,000 families, and half of those families were Latino families, so we were able to benchmark a few things. Um, and it gave us some very fascinating information. We've been able to see home ownership trends broken down by a demographic on a quarterly basis because that's provided to us by the Census Bureau. Um, but we asked a question that I had never seen asked before, and that is not, are you a homeowner, but do you also own investment real estate? And it turns out that Latinos have a higher propensity to own investment real estate than any other demographic. So despite the fact that we're younger, despite the fact that we have less wealth, despite the fact that we earn a little bit less, we actually are more likely to own investment property than any other demographic, at least according to this survey. So that was really, really encouraging. And I think is, you know, some some very interesting information for the real estate professional community. Yeah, definitely. That is interesting. Um, 
I want to talk a little more about the pandemic. It seems to be threatening to slow not just Latino wealth growth, but wealth growth in general. Um, so what actions can be taken now to combat that? Well, there's things that we can do, and I think there are things that the government should look to do, maybe a little bit more than they have in the past. I think the first relief packages uh, focused on small businesses, as they should, but they really missed uh, a very substantial segment of what I consider to be micro small businesses. And these are small businesses mm-hmm. that have five or less employees. Very, very few of them were able to qualify for PPP loans uh, or other relief, and they represent the large majority of small businesses in this country. Latinos in particular are very entrepreneurial and one in three Latino families own a small business. Um, So if you're going to do something to help the Latino community in terms of wealth or the general population, I think a focus on small business support is critical. You know, if you go back to the last recession, 2008 to 2012, during the foreclosure crisis and when things were really, really bad in our industry, um, there was data that showed that Latinos were disproportionately affected to the negative during that period of time. We had lost something like two-thirds of our household wealth during that stretch of time, which really is what inspired us to create the Hispanic Wealth Project in the first place. We studied that, and we recognized that one of the reasons that Latinos were hit so hard was because of a lack of diversification in our assets. So we didn't do things like participate in 401Ks and the stock market and other safer investments, but are sometimes, I think, a little bit foreign to Latinos and sometimes people in the real estate industry in general. So um, we really have been on a campaign to encourage our network of uh, real estate professionals who are very much trusted advisors in their communities to talk about diversification. And our study showed that this time around, Hispanics were a little bit more diversified than they were in the past. And I think it's one of the reasons why we're holding up a little bit better this time around. Now let's take a quick break to hear some exciting news from Realtrends and our sponsors. Realtrends President Steve Murray has been working with and interviewing real estate leaders for more than 30 years. He's learned a few things along the way about running a successful company, being a solid leader, and more. Find out his lessons learned in his video series, which offers short, insightful messages that shares inspiration and motivation from others in the real estate industry. Don't miss a video. Go to youtube.com slash realtrends to subscribe. Now back to our podcast. And so tell me a little bit about um, the Hispanic Wealth Project and what you're doing um, right now. Like I, I know the plan is to triple Hispanic household wealth by 2024, but tell me a little bit about some of the, the programs or activities that you have um, currently. Yeah, so the Wealth Project, as I said before, came about because of what we saw um, in 2008 through 2012. And, you know, we were looking at that issue and recognized uh, that NAREP in particular was in a unique position to provide some leadership around the issue of household wealth for a couple reasons. And one is the largest source of wealth for most families in this country, but particularly for Latino families, is home equity. And we're an organization that's all about advancing sustainable home ownership for the Latino community. But a secondary source of wealth for many, many Latino families is small business ownership. And our network is largely made up of of small business owners. 
So that really gave us a sense that we, as an organization, should provide leadership around this, and in a very specific way. So we created this blueprint. So we, we attacked it like you would uh, sort of a business challenge. And we said, if our goal is to triple household wealth over the next 10 years, given the influences that we have and the network that we have, what would we do? And we decided to focus on three things. One, of course, is to advance home ownership rates beyond a certain sort of tipping point, which we saw to be 50%. The second is to provide support for small businesses. We know that Latinos are prolific in starting small businesses, but the overwhelming majority of those businesses are small and tend to stay small. So how can we help Latinos scale those businesses? Is it access to capital? Is it mentorship? Is there some knowledge gap that we can help close that can help these families or, or these small business owners build these businesses, become a little bit larger? And we partnered with the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative um, mm -hmm. to create an actual program that coaches and teaches small business owners on how to scale their business. And then the third piece of the, of the, of the puzzle or of the, of the blueprint is um, diversification and savings and investments. And that is just creating new disciplines around investing in some of the things that, quite frankly, are so compelling from a financial standpoint. It's a crime that we haven't done a better job. And I'm speaking specifically about things such as retirement accounts and 401K. Yeah. And we've seen from that effort that we've already seen an impact in, in, in that in particular. And so just to kind of consolidate it into a strategy, those are the goals, those are the objectives. How do we get it out to the marketplace? How do we get it out to the public? Well, one of the things that we know is that real estate professionals, particularly, once again, Latino real estate professionals, aren't only facilitators of real estate transactions in their communities. They tend to be trusted advisors. People come to them for all sorts of advice, especially as it relates to their finances. So we think if we, our thoughts were if we could improve the disciplines of the influencers, that will have a cascading effect in uh, those communities. Uh, so that's fundamentally the strategy of the Hispanic Wealth Project. And, um, you know, we've done things like create the NARA 10 principles, which provides very specific guidance to our members. And many, many of our members subscribe to those principles and share those principles with their customers, clients, and family. Okay, that's great. Uh, you know, it's a, a definitely an interesting project. So I'll be looking forward to, to yeah. uh, reading on updates on that as well. So. And I noticed that you have a vlog. Um, it looks like a lot of them are coming soon. Is that something you'll be, you'll be working on, or is that something that um, you'd like to talk about? Yeah, well, um, you know, one of the things that we've learned from this pandemic is that um, we need to be more creative on how we disseminate information. If you think about what NARP is at the end of the day, we are a platform of information. Some of it is peer-to-peer -peer, um, masterminding that takes place amongst members. Some of it comes from the national organization as it disseminates to its network. Some of it is bringing industry participants into the, the, the network of NAREP to help educate them about the nuances uh, that exist within serving Hispanic consumers. Um, and the blog and uh, my personal blog and uh, different mediums that we've pursued in the past, including theater, are different things that we're looking at and are pursuing to disseminate those messages in a more creative way. 
Okay, I'll look forward to seeing that. Um, so you, you mentioned kind of the nuances of serving the Hispanic community. And so what do you think real estate professionals should know or need to know about serving the Hispanic community? Two things, trust and loyalty. So Hispanics and surveys have so, showed this time and time again will make their purchasing decisions based on trust more than anything else, more than brand, and even more than price. If they trust you, they will do business with you. So you want to present yourself in a way that's going to create trust. Second thing is loyalty, and that is there's, there's a concept that we, we, we refer to in business called the long-term value of a customer. And if you look at the Hispanic home buyers and you recognize that they tend to be very young, um, they tend to be extremely loyal, not only if you do a good job in terms of service, servicing a Hispanic customer, will they be loyal to you? They will refer you business within their family and their friends and their sphere of influence for a long, long time. So trust will get you that business and loyalty, the loyalty that exists between that relationship, especially if you serve them well, um, will benefit you in, a long, for, in the long run for a long, long time. Yeah, great advice. Um, I have two more questions for you. The first is opportunities. Where do you see opportunities for brokerage leaders in the coming year? Well, I think that uh, it's a great time to be in our business, frankly. Uh, but if I were in the business directly, if I were a broker, if I were somebody that was building a real estate business, um, you know, I would look at um, – pursuing two different, and maybe you could pursue these simultaneously, but there's two different tracks. One is a virtual track, because I think that being nimble and having a very low cost structure um, is something that positions you for success and growth in the long run, or go big. And when I say go big, I mean have a full uh, service resource center as a real estate office. It, for the Latino community, that's particularly appealing because, as I said before, Latinos will make their purchasing decision based on trust. And if they have an established trusting relationship with a real estate uh, agent, um, and that agent then can also hand them off to a mortgage lender or somebody who can handle their insurance, and it's all very contained in one uh, kind of one-stop shop, um, that's going to be very appealing to uh, a Latino customer. And I just think it's going to be, um, you know, the type of business that's going to be much more resilient and much more positioned for growth in any sort of business environment moving forward. So virtual or go big? Uh, and if you can yeah, do both, even better. The virtual oh, – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I said if you could do both, even better. <laughs> yeah. The virtual is definitely um, – I've talked to several brokers who are putting together compensation models for virtual agents, even though they're a traditional brokerage. Um, they want to offer that option as well. So I think you're going to see some hybrids coming out of this as well. It will be interesting um, to see. So Absolutely. Yeah. Very much so. And Finally, just if you had just one piece of advice for brokerage leaders who are, you know, managing in an, an uncertain market, however, it has been a, a good market, um, but what would it be? Well, it might be a bit of a cliche, but I would say to embrace change. 
Um, change is good, and change uh, breeds opportunity. Um, you can fight change if you choose, but it's better to embrace it and try to exploit it um, because whenever there's a changing environment, there's incredible opportunities that come from that. So stay, stay true to your principles, but, um, but leverage change for the better and embrace it. Great, great advice, definitely. And um, there, you know, there have been quite a few opportunities that came out of just the pandemic as well. Increased agent adoption of technology, and and um, you know, people pivoted pretty quickly. So, so great. Thank you so much for joining the Real Trends podcast. We appreciate all of your insight. Tracy, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, and anytime. <laughs>